I want to greet all of you all over the world and welcome you to today's broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. What an honor for me to just share the gospel of grace with you. Well, first of all, um, all the new web members, I want to welcome you especially. Thank you that you have joined this web church. Um, next Sunday I will read some names and just uh, welcome you officially. So, thank you for doing that. I believe that God is just going to impact you through this message of grace. And this website, this web church is there to get you established in God's unconditional love so that you can have your own personal relationship with God for who He truly is. Amen. Now, last week we've been in Durban. Um, we've had a broadcast. You would have seen that it wasn't a live broadcast. This is live right now as you watch this. And um, we're also going to show you something else today. Um, we've been to Durban and we've had a conference there. Man, it was just so awesome. And I, you, uh, that's why I decided to just show you one of the messages that I've preached there today. So that's going to be our main message. going to be on grace that's not licensed to sin and what it is to be born of God. And just a whole concept about that. So um, stay in, stay tuned for that message. You will really be touched. Then we've had a wonderful testimony of a lady that um, had cancer. We prayed for her. And I got an SMS. Let me read this to you. Um, that Of this report back, the lady sent, sent to us. She said, My cancer mark has gone down from 2,000 to, brace yourselves, to 722. Now, I don't know about cancer counts, but, I mean, this. she seems very happy about this, so I believe this is a great miracle. Okay, praise our awesome God. All my love, Narina. Hi, Bertie, this was from the lady you prayed for on Saturday a.m. with the cancer. God bless. He is so good. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. So, we're going to show you that miracle as well today. Uh, so stay tuned, that is the end of the, the, the message Hallelujah So we're also starting a church today in our black township with Tabu uh, One day I will have him on here at, at Web Church So you can just meet with him uh, We're starting a church today, having our first service today So today we're also going to pray for that Hallelujah And we've got a um, Yeah, I also want to thank I want to thank all the people that sponsors Web Church and sponsors this ministry that's watching today. Thank you so much for your faithful financial contribution. What a blessing, you know, to know that people give out of a free heart and people give because they want to, not because they're forced to, not because they think God's now going to do something special for them if they bless this ministry and out of fear, fear-driven type giving. There's nothing like that here. Thank you for all of those people. And we're going to just get into Second Peter and I'm going to just share something with you that will just lay a good foundation on what we're going to discuss today. Amen. So, I want to just say this before I read this. I'm very excited about this church that we are starting in the Black Township here. It is so needed uh, in that area. You know, people are poor. People live in shacks. People, and, and we've got this, um, God's really given us grace. We could hire a school hall there without a lot of trouble and a lot of going through all the type of committees and all those things. God just gave us favor. We got the hall. Um, Tabu went out and preached on the street corner there with a sound system, him and Vessel, and they ministered the gospel there and um, handed out a lot of CDs for free from house to house, giving people CDs, as well as about 500, if I'm not mistaken, um, pamphlets from house to house, telling people about the services, sharing the gospel of grace with people as they went. And what was so nice, um, Tabu said to me that as he walked back through the township in, um, along the streets that he did give the CDs out, he heard me preaching 
in, um, in different houses as he was going. And that was just awesome. And people just turned it up, up loud with a speaker outside and people, other people could also hear the unconditional love of God, the grace of God. So that is just awesome. So I want to just tell you that that is a big thing to me. That's a big thing to this town where we can have a real, true, grace-based church in that area. And there is nothing like that according to my knowledge. So we're going to pray for Tabu today. And I, I believe that people will pitch up, people will come, uh, the sick will be healed and the message of grace will be ministered there. Let's just pray together and then I'm going to just share a short piece of scripture and we're going to get into the worship and the word of God. Father, I want to thank you for your unconditional love. I want to thank you for what you've done for us. I thank you, Father, this service and what we do today will only be so blessed because of your Holy Spirit. As I talk to your people today, thank you that you are upon me. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Touch every person that is slotted in and that's listening to this broadcast. It is wonderful. It is awesome. It is, I just know this word of yours. It's wonderful and awesome. And it is going to touch the lives of so many people. It's awesome to think that you can right now, where people are, just open their hearts. Bring the love of God into them. I thank you people that feel condemned today as they watch this. I thank you that all condemnation is removed and your love is poured out in their hearts. I thank you, Father, that people can come to your throne of grace today without a consciousness of sin, a consciousness of rejection, a consciousness of abuse, a consciousness of anything they've done wrong, but they can come with a consciousness of the one sacrifice as perfected forever, as forever perfected them, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, that we don't have to come with a consciousness of sin anymore. And that we will not come with a consciousness of sacrifices and special things we need to do in order for you to smile over us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that we can appreciate you because you have appreciated us. Because what you've done for us. Thank you Lord. Therefore our heart is focused on you. Our heart is focused on your love for us. And that brings forth a love for you and obedience to who you are. Thank you for that my God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I also want to pray for Tabu right now. Thank you that as he ministers your word today, it will go out in power. It will go out with signs, wonders and miracles following it. It will go out bringing hope and deliverance and freedom for people. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you so much, Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to... I want you just to read with me in Second Peter... Second Peter chapter, you can, you can just jot that down, read it later if you want to, otherwise you can quickly go there, Second Peter chapter 1 and um, verse 2. Now, so many times when it comes to the message of grace, we think that we should only have just enough grace so that we can know we're forgiven and then we must just make sure that we get that right, right life, you know, that holy life and start to do it. Today's message um, is also going to be along these lines and really explaining what grace is um, and how it should, should be ministered in a church and the balance in grace and how you can maybe abuse the mercy of God that is still new every morning but that you cannot ab- uh, abuse the grace of God is impossible. So, um, and just bring the whole balance in that. Now, Second Peter chapter 2. Listen to the, the prayer um, or the, you know, the blessing that Peter says here. Let's start in verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior 
Jesus Christ. So what he's, what he's doing here, he's writing to people. He says, I pray to those that has obtained like precious faith. In other words, they have believed the very same thing. They had the same type of faith, the same faith as what Peter and the apostles had. And there were many other people that had the same faith. And it was called like precious faith. In other words, they could believe something that Peter and them believed. What makes your faith precious is what you believe. If you believe, you know, um, God will just judge you and just kill you because of something you've done wrong. You know, that is, that is faith, but it's not precious faith. What makes what you believe precious is the value God puts on it. And our faith is precious because of what God has done in order to establish that so that we can believe it. So our, our faith is precious because it was so valuable that God gave His Son. The value of our faith is that of God Himself. So we obtain precious faith. We just don't want any faith. You know, the other, the other day I've been to a funeral of one of my biker friends and he, um, he fell in the mountain pass and died. And uh, it was his funeral on Friday. And we went there and man, the, um, the, the guy that preached, and I don't want to be against people that preach, but just this, this, this message just upset me in my heart. And this is what he said. He, he said that God gave him and his wife, less than two years to be together. And he decided they're not going to have two years, but just less than two years, and then he's going to come and just fetch him. You know, and man, it, it felt to me as if, if you take everything together, that God killed the guy. You know, if he was on the motorbike, and God would just kill him. And um, so I went to the preacher afterwards, and I said to him, you know, Pastor, do you know, well, if I listen to your message, then God killed him. He says, no, no, God didn't kill him, he just took his life. I mean, if I go outside now and I just kill somebody, or just take somebody's life, I will not be, um, I will not go to court for taking somebody's life, I'll go to court for murder. That's, that's the way it is. And I said to him, no, I don't think so, I think he made an accident. He went 200 and something in a corner and the wheel slipped or something happened, he went into a, into a rock and he died. And that's just what happened. That's just the way it worked. So, um, I think it is the guy that was in an accident. And the goodness of God was, even if, if, he, if, if he was breaking the law, even if he died that way, he can still be saved if he believed in Jesus Christ. I think that's the good news. So, you know, so many times we, our faith is not a precious faith. It should be a precious faith. Because it, it uh, um, focuses on what Jesus Christ has done. And that's what makes our faith precious. Otherwise, we've got common faith. The difference between precious faith and common faith is this. Common faith is what everybody has. It's just common. It's just everywhere. You know, everybody's got this belief system. If I live right, then God will be good to me. If I do right, do right, um, or, or, or be good, you'll receive good. Do good, and good will be done to you from God's side. You know, that is common. That's everywhere. You find that in every person. I think there's basically not a person that doesn't believe that. That's common faith. But precious faith is the faith that says, I believe in what Jesus Christ has done for me. Now it says that they've obtained this precious faith. How did they obtain it? Through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God, the good thing done. The good thing done by God. By what? By giving His Son as the sacrifice for our sins. And then, we've also obtained this precious faith by Jesus being obedient to the Father so that we can receive this. Okay, now listen to this. This is now written to people that believe this. They believe in the grace of God. They believe in the goodness of God. They believe in the mercy of God. And now, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. 
through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Isn't that awesome? So what Peter says here, he doesn't think, oh well, they already believe in the grace of God, so let's now put a very heavy emphasis on works now. Now it's the time for works, because they've already believed the grace. He says, no, I want this grace that you believe in, and this mercy that you believe in, I want it to be multiplied. How? Not by trying to do good things. What he's saying here, he says, I want it to be multiplied through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So what he says there is, he wants them, uh, that word knowledge, there's the word acknowledgement. It is to acknowledge, to acknowledge God and what He's done and Jesus Christ and what He's done. So He says, you've received precious faith through the righteousness of God and Jesus Christ. So, and then He says, I want this grace and knowledge of grace and peace to be multiplied. How? By going back and just meditating more upon the righteousness of God and acknowledging more how righteous God was in what He did and that He was not an unrighteous or unjust God by saying, well, you know, one man, Adam, brought sin into the world, therefore, um, you know, I don't care if just one man brought it in, then everybody must now do everything right before they're going to be righteous before me. Now, we're going to talk about the righteousness of God. God's a righteous God. If one man brought sin into the world, then one man is going to bring righteousness into the world, and that's Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that righteousness, and we're going to acknowledge that. Amen. And we're going to acknowledge the righteousness and faith of Jesus and what He's done for us. And in that way, we're going to find a multiplication of grace and peace. Now, multiplication means it is the very same thing, but just more of it. In other words, yes, I experience the influence of God in my life. But as I acknowledge about, about, as I acknowledge what God has done for me, I find a great multiplication of that very same force in my life. And then a multiplication of peace. Let's use the word peace there. The word peace means, and this is my definition of the word peace, is the emotion in the heart of a man when he knows all his debts are paid. So as you acknowledge what God has done to your sins, what God has done with your weakness, what God has done with, with your fleshly ability to be righteous, which brings forth all types of sins um, and death, when you can acknowledge what God has done with those things, you will find a multiplication and an increase of the emotion in your heart that you know your sins has been paid for. And equally there will be an increase of the divine influence and power of the Holy Spirit in your life that empowers you to be like God. Amen. Hallelujah. And today's message as well is going to be about that. So, um, I want to just read something here. And so many times we say back, you know, we must maybe make people more conscious of their sins and what they do wrong um, so that they can be free from that sin. Now, let me just read you this scripture in verse 9. Um, Let's read verse 8. It says, But if these things be in you and abound, it talks about good works, they make that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what it says here is that if we find good works manifesting in our lives, we are not barren, but we are fruitful. We're bearing good fruit. Okay? But he that lacks these good works, these things, is blind. In other words, he just doesn't see in the context of the Bible, whenever it talks about blindness in the New Testament, it mostly refers to blindness in really seeing the unconditional love of God and applying the unconditional love of God to every area of your life. 
It says, but he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So, the reason why people don't bear fruit is because they have forgotten that they were purged of their own sins and they don't see into the fullness of the grace of God. So, how will we get holiness to manifest in our lives? By being reminded that we are forgiven and forgiven means God's not angry with us and that we've been set free from the governing power that is over our lives that brings that thing forth which is man's ability under the law. We've been set free from the thing of man's ability under the law being like God which brings forth all manner of sin and death. So I want to tell you you know, if you look at your own life and um, you, you, you look at the sins in your life, the reason why in Dynamic Web Church we don't want to remind you of the wrong things you do is because f- uh, a forgetful hearer, forgetting that your sins are forgiven, is what will bring forth sin in your life and what will cause that you will not bear fruit. So we want to remind you of how you are set free. You've been set free by God. You've received the righteousness of God. You've received the very character of God. You've received the being of God. And you might say, but Bafti, I don't see that in my life. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change the fact that it is like that. So, as you become conscious of this, and not just conscious of this, because right now, maybe you're a first-time viewer, maybe you've um, you've just heard about third time here, you're just still checking out what we're talking about. You know, there's a difference between listening to something and becoming persuaded of something. You know, um, if I like a, a BMW car, you know, or, or say I like a Ford, and somebody wants to uh, come to me and t- tell me, listen, BMW is the best, and they come with all their facts, and they, li- and, and, and they just list the facts in front of me, why this BMW is now better than the Ford. You know what, I will take notice of it, and I will listen to all of that, and as I listen to that, I can really understand what he says. But that still doesn't mean that I'm persuaded of what he said. It still doesn't make me sell my car and buy the BMW, which might be, have the same value, you know. So, um, but as I listen to it again and again and again, I can come to a place where I find that full persuasion in my heart. And as I find that out of that persuasion comes forth the power to get rid of what I have and to take part in something else. But so many times we just listen to this thing once and we think, now I must produce the power because this guy said it's like this and now I must just listen to him once and that's enough and now I must produce the power to get rid of this car that I have to buy another car. But as you listen to it over and over to what this guy says and you listen to it from different angles, you will find that that persuasion will produce the power because inside yourself there is not enough power. The Bible says... We are saved by the grace of God through faith. Now, through faith we've got the access into the power of God and the grace of God. So, let me tell you something. It's not just listening to, to, to a thing once and then producing by your own power. No, no. It's, it's listening to the message of grace. It's listening to who we are in Christ, to what is done for us, to the point that we find the access into the power of God that empowers us unto freedom. And if, you, if there's anything that you want, can do, an effort you can make, if you want to make an effort, the Bible says, labor to enter into the rest of God. 
So what do we do? We make a labor. We study. It's like with myself. People say, Matthew, why do you know the Bible so well? You know, why can, can you memorize scriptures? You know scriptures. If I talk about something, it's as if you've already read it before. Yes, it is. I did read it. Um, I, I went and I read the Bible. I listened to some messages every now and then. Yesterday we went fishing. Now this might sound very vain. But while we were catching fish, I had one of my own CDs there in the car playing. Man, I was so blessed. Because it is not my word. It's God's word. Hallelujah. And I listened to it, man. We just had an awesome time. I think we caught 37 fish yesterday. Awesome. I was... <laughs> Hallelujah, man. I, I was so blessed. God is so good to me. And, well, anyway, we were listening to this and getting our mind. I, I was just listening to this. And the funniest thing of all, I listened to part one, two, and th- one, two, and three, and then part four of the message of grace, my series on grace, I listened to five times. Just over and over and over, because it was so nice. I just, I just had this thing to get into my mind again and again, because I want that persuasion to just be strong, because the stronger the persuasion, the more I find the access into the grace of God. So it's not of your works. It's not of you trying to be set free. It's not of you trying to live holy. It's all about His power manifesting in your life. And the only way that happens is by the channel or the door, which is Jesus Christ, which is precious faith, which when we believe and are persuaded of what He's done, we find that power coming into our lives. You know, um, and, and especially in the Western world, we've come to, we, we think that knowledge is salvation because I just know about something. You know, that saves me. It's not the truth. It's about persuasion. It's about believing it in the depths of your being. And I found that there were many things in the Bible that I had knowledge about and that made me excited when I got the knowledge about that. You know, it's, uh, um, but the moment I got more and more persuaded of that, I found the power of that thing working in my heart. There's a lot of controversy about the gospel of grace. Because, and I remember when I was in Bible school, when we heard the gospel of grace, we had this thing in our mind that said, this is a license to sin. You know, be careful of the gospel of grace. You know, because, yes, it, it puts an overemphasis on the goodness of God, on the mercy of God, and it, it leads to, it doesn't preach, but it leads to people falling back into sin and, and people that don't want to be givers and people that don't want to commit to church and people that don't want to live a holy life, they fall for that message. So be careful. It's a, it, it's a really a wrong doctrine. It, it looks very good, but it's very deceptive and it can harm you. Be careful. And um, I, I mean, the, the two years that I went through Bible school, I was really, whenever something of grace would come, you will immediately in your heart Get that teaching in your mind. Watch out. Yes, but what about a license to sin? And that robbed me of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The grace of God is the empowerment of God into human beings to live the very being of God and manifest God in this world. It's no license to sin. It's never been a license to sin. It is the only license that we have and the only pathway we have to true holiness and to true righteousness and to true love, loving people from the depths of our being. Not trying to love people, but having the love of God. Not trying to reach unto righteousness, 
but being righteous. Not trying to live scriptures, but to have the scriptures live in you. That's a difference. So we cannot uh, uh, even, and, and I want you to know this, um, when we, you hear the word faith righteousness or you hear the word grace of God, never um, get the thing in your mind of a weak gospel. It is the only gospel. It's the only way that will get this world to a place where we can have true faith. It's the only message that can get people to have a true love relationship with God. So what it stands for is everything that man could not have before Jesus, which was godly, was given to us in Jesus Christ so that we can be godly, holy, righteous, full of power, full of love, really set free. You see... When we come to the gospel and to our relationship with God, we must be very honest with ourselves. It doesn't help we're not honest with ourselves. You must be honest with yourself and what's going on in your heart. You know, I was, I I had this thing in my heart, I don't want to be this um, fake it till you make it Christian. You know? Because that doesn't produce life. Everybody knows that I'm struggling with things and with anger and temper and this and that and whatever you want to call it. But you try to hold it down, you know, because I am, I love God and I love the scripture and I'm sincere before God and I'm going to try my best this month and I'm getting victory over this thing. I'm pushing through. I'm going for the breakthrough. In the meantime, there's something boiling inside you. You know, and you're trying your best and you're sincere, you know. And that's not, I wouldn't say people that do that is bad. It's just, I mean, it's just the way we are. And that's human effort to attain to the righteousness of God. And I said to God, I want to be in a place where I don't say, well, I must now try to love this guy. You know, I feel, you know, I don't love him. But now love is a decision. And I'm going to love him now, in the name of Jesus. That's not love. Love is when you see that guy and you feel in your heart you love him. And only through the gospel of grace can you have the genuine thing. It's when the end of the month comes closer and there's not money in the bank or what's supposed to be there. It's not there. And you don't feel any fear. It's not when you go around saying, well, thou sh- I shalt not fear. God is with me. Hallelujah. Bless God. Praise God. No, no. When you don't feel fear, man. Why, why must we settle for something that's a fake? If we can have the real thing. And the real thing comes through and the knowledge and belief and faith in what Christ has done for us. And if we can believe that, have our minds renewed into that, we will find that through, the Bible says, through faith we've got access into the grace of God. And one thing we must know for sure, people, there's a big difference between grace and mercy. Grace and mercy is not the same Greek word, it's not the same thing. Mercy is God treating you better than you deserve. Grace is God influencing you into His being. So, 
if, I say, if, if, if we say and we come with a mindset that says grace is a license to sin, it only means we don't understand what grace means. Because if you say grace is a license to sin, you are actually saying the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life is a license to sin. So I think we should be, be very careful with our mouths what we say about the grace of God. Because when Jesus came, in John chapter 1 verse 17, it says, and we beheld the glory of God full of grace. Or if we translate it wrongly, full of license to sin. <laughs> that's a mockery. You know, that's a mockery. So I want to tell you this, that... Uh, um, for the person that has come to a place where you say, I'm try- tired of just trying harder. You know, some people, they must become 60 and 70 years old before they know they can't make it anymore. You know? Others are just clever. They just know, in the beginning, man, I'm never going to make it. And I've realized, I, I, in my ability to live righteous, I'll never get it right. And you might say, oh, are you planning to sin? Listen, you exactly the same. <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. I don't plan to sin. Paul says, Paul says in Romans 7, he doesn't plan to sin. He says, whenever I want to do good, I find evil is with me. So it's not something that he decides to do. It's something that happens to him. But Jesus Christ came to give us the victory. We can live free lives. We can truly have peace in our hearts. doesn't matter what the situation. Not because we try to confess and try to do all those things. But because, you know, a positive confession is a very good thing. As long as what is born out of a heart that really believes it. With a heart you believe unto righteousness. Isn't it? So if I come and, and Jesus says to the Pharisees, the Pharisees goes around and they say good things. He says to them, how can you that are evil say good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So how can you that are evil say good things? I don't understand it. For a, a, a fountain, or a, like man, let's say a grapevine doesn't bear apples. You can only bear what's in you. So trying to change what you say is not our work. What must happen is we must change what we believe. When what you believe changes, what you say changes, and what you do changes. If you, you know why many people are beggars tonight on the street corners? It's because they believe they are beggars. They believe the world owes them something. They believe they are poor. They believe they are beggars. They believe people must care for them. That's what they believe. And out of their belief, that's what they do. Now imagine you can come to a place where you can believe because you are fully convinced it is the truth that through Jesus Christ you became the righteousness of God. The empowerment of God is in you. When you start to believe that. When you start to believe that the God of peace indwells me. When you start to believe I am seated with Him in heavenly places. When you start to believe not a good positive thing to confess to feel better. But when you believe it, when you're convinced in your heart, man, I am. I became the righteousness of God. When you come to a place when you can rest your mind in the integrity of God, 
when you can rest your mind in His friendship with you. When you come there, you will find Christ manifesting in your life. And I thank God for the gospel of grace because when I was under the law, at the end of the time when I was seeking justification by my works, uh, um, I came to a place where I said, God, I don't know how this world will ever come right. Because I don't find, because I was, I'm a very, I'm a very strong willed person. If I want to do something, I'll do it. If I do it alone, I don't care. But I'll do it. And I've been like that all my life. And I've measured my stubbornness and strong will with other people. And I said, I'm much stronger than them and I can't make it. So how's he going to make it? I can't make it. I see people in the Bible can't make it. Nobody can make it. And you've got to be honest with yourself about that. Be Be honest with yourself. Are you in your flesh... In your ability, in your walk with God, are you holy? 100% holy or not? If you're not, you need mercy. And you need the grace of God. If I walk from here to Cape Town, I might reach Cape Town. But if I hike while walking, I hike. Or even if I just stand still, I'm... I can get to Cape Town much faster on the mercy of another man than on my ability to walk. Mercy will take us there. God's message of grace is what's going to take us there. The true gospel of no condemnation is what draws people to God. You know, if I condemn you every day, you will feel that you want to stay away from me. You will not want to come to me. But if I give you love, you will come closer and closer and closer. And then you will find, in coming close, we'll have a relationship. And I can impart something to you that can help you. And that's the whole thing with the gospel of grace. It allows people to come closer to God. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, um, if, we, if we take, and I, most of the messages that I minister, I say this because it's so powerful. If you take a dartboard, and you'll see the rings, you know, the, the double and then the triple and then you get the bullseye in the middle. Um, and let's say that is levels of holiness, where the bullseye is the most holy thing. And you take the land Israel. In the Old Testament, the land Israel was the, the holiest country in the whole world. It's not like that anymore. Okay? Um, then you would find Jerusalem would have been the, ho- the holiest city in that country. And then the holiest place in Jerusalem would have been the temple. And the holiest place in the temple would have been the most holy. And the holiest thing in the most holy place would be the Ark of the Covenant. And the most holy place on the Ark was the place where God was seated and was called the Mercy Seat. So, the message of mercy and grace is not a message of unholiness. It's a message of holiness. It is holy. The word holy means to be separate or different from. The Hindus, the Muslims, the Hare Krishnas, the every type of faith that there is today preaches behavior modification. And through obedience you attain righteousness except Christianity. 
Christianity does not preach behavior modification. It doesn't preach you must now have this good moral conduct. It preaches righteousness imparted through the obedience of another man on your behalf. And, and the wonderful thing is, is that the whole being and the Spirit of God is behind that message. So the moment you believe it, God comes and He manifests the truth of that in your life. So, what it says is, through the blood of Jesus, we were made the righteousness of God. When I come and I believe that, the Holy Spirit of God, by the power of God, makes that true in my life and I become righteous. I start to think righteous, I feel righteous, I find righteous acts. Not empowered by myself, but by God. It's like the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, Shall we continue in sin now that we are under grace? Then it says, the the, the Greek word there, then it says, God forbid. That word forbid in the Greek means to cease to exist. Or to stop. So, now that we are under grace, shall we continue to sin? No ways, because it's not me resisting sin anymore. It is God ceasing sin to live in my life. Hallelujah! That's the power of the gospel. We need this message of grace, people. I don't know you. I don't know from where you are. I just know that there are people that are for grace and there are people that are against grace and there are people that don't understand grace and think they're for grace. The message of the gospel is what the world needs. Let's put our weight behind it. Let's preach that gospel. Let's promote it. Because that is what will bring people into a true relationship with God, into the true power of God, into true holiness, into true love. That's what will make people generous for the spreading of the gospel. Your effort to try to give can never be compared with the generosity of God that can be unleashed in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah! And I got, there was a time in my life when I got so tired of Bertie. And everybody looked at Bertie. Oh, Bertie, you're so holy. I wasn't this unholy guy. It's a holy guy in Bible school. I was doing my best, you know. I was praying the most of all of them. I was seeing the most miracles of all of them. All of the Bible school students. It's just the way it was. I was studying the scripture the most. I had the most, most knowledge of the scriptures. I had more knowledge than the pastor. It's true. And everybody would say, wow, look at him, wow, look at his holiness. But I want to tell you, that holiness was not God living in me. It was Bertie living the Scriptures. But now it's a different thing. Now I can say it's not I who live the Scriptures. It's not I who try to obey the Scriptures. It's God living in me. Hallelujah. It's so wonderful when I come to somebody and I give him a 200 rand or 300 rand or whatever, I, I, I see God living in me. When I preach here, it's not Bertie that lives. It's God. I don't preach here because the Bible says I must. I preach here because of a compassion. That God is, God's compassion is flowing. God's heart for people. That's what's in me. And I could only have had access to that through grace. Through the finished work of the cross. Through hearing a gospel that says it was not by your works, but by what is done. And another thing that I want to say about the gospel of grace, the gospel of grace is not against the law. It's not against the law of Moses. It's for the law of Moses. 
Now you might say, oh, but that sounds contradictory if you're really in the gospel of grace. Let me explain to you. The, the, the purpose of the law was, it was something that man had to do to attain to righteousness. So what the law said, the law said, you must be righteous. Okay? Now unfortunately man could not do it. Through the weakness of his ability. Now, you know, the, the people that say, listen man, they, they can, you know, reach holiness. They must just really put their mind to it and then they can reach it by obeying the scriptures. Listen, <laughs> if you want to qualify through o- obedience to the law, let me tell you how it must be. It mustn't be according to your standard of holiness. You, our standard of holiness is, you know, if I don't sweat too much, if I don't abuse alcohol, you know, if I just get, I can get angry if, you, if, if I've got a good reason. You know? <laughs> that, and, and if I just keep up like that and that's it. And the, the stuff that I don't know what law will I break, ah, oh, you know, God will see my heart. No, no. <laughs> That's not the law. If you want to be justified by the law, you take the letter of the law, the writings of Je- the, 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 where Jesus preached about how we should obey and how our thought patterns must be, then you start from the day you're born. And you do it until, until the day you die and you never break one, ever. Because if you ever break one, ever in your life, you're already... Leaning on the mercy and the grace of God. So I want to say, everybody here, you're already in grace. Don't fight it, you're already in it. You're already making use of it. The only thing is because of a wrong understanding of grace, we think that people will go and sin, that's why we don't want to put an emphasis on it. But I think through men of God and people that really study it, not for the purpose of just knowing my forgiveness, but also for the purpose of knowing the resurrected life of Christ inside me. We will find the manifested Christ in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. The holiest message there is in the whole world is the message of God's unconditional love, mercy and grace. There's nothing more holy than that. And then I want to... I'm still busy with the introduction. (laughs) Romans chapter 5. I'm serious. I came, I came from far. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want you to listen to the scripture. This is an awesome, this is an awesome, 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 awesome scripture. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Who who are those that will reign? Those that receive abundance of grace. Not once in two years a half a message and then with a but behind. You know, but remember behind it. That's not it. They that receive abundance of grace, okay, and the gift of righteousness, they shall reign in this life. They shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For if by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, So by the obedience of one 
shall many be made righteous. So how are we made righteous? Let me put it this way. You know, the other day I was at a, at a party with bikers. And we went on a rally. Young and the guys were there and they were doping and drinking and whatever. And I was just there enjoying the fellowship. Good guys. <laughs> There's one thing about bikers. They're not hypocrites. You know, so, and I was there and the guy came to me and we started to talk about the Lord. He says, he came to me, the first thing he said, and I'm going to say this in Afrikaans, he said to me, Dominiki! <laughs> so he's not going to get saved tonight. I said to him, I said, what do you mean? I said, he talks about leaving his sin. I said to him, I'm not here to tell you to leave your sin. He said, what? I said to him, do you know it is not even your sin that makes you a sinner? Then he thought I was drunk. <laughs> I said, don't you know that it's not your sin that makes you a sinner? It was the sin of Adam that made you a sinner. And because that's in you, that's why you are sinning tonight. He said, what? I said, yeah. I said, let me tell you some good news. It's not your good works that makes you righteous. It was the obedience of another man on your behalf that brought righteousness to you today, sir. You can just believe it. By faith you've got access and tonight you can walk away the righteousness of God. It's already been given. You'll only be a fool not to believe it. It already happened. And I mean, how do you argue away Romans chapter 5? We so easily accept that through Adam's sin we became sinners. Why can't we even more easily, because it's not Adam, it is God that gave his life for us. Why can't we accept and say, through the obedience of that one man? I mean, who's got the most power? Adam or God? Adam or God? What God got right in Adam, what God got right in Jesus, is a billion times bigger than what Satan got right in Adam. If Satan, through Adam, could dump the whole world in unrighteousness, why can't God bring righteousness to us through Jesus Christ as a free gift? We so happily receive the free gift of a sinful nature from Adam. (laughs) He came to give us righteousness as a gift. And do you know, that is reality. That is reality. Now the Bible says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now that doesn't mean try and renew your mind. Because we so quickly want to make rules out of things. Now I must now renew my mind. No, no. It says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Or by your mind that is being renewed. Now our minds and our thought patterns get renewed as we start to study, think upon 
what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. As you start to know what God has done for you in Jesus Christ, what God, how, who you are in the eyes of God, what is done for man, the value is placed upon man. As you start to see those things, you start to think different about how you live this life, how you live towards people, what you do with your money, how you pray. You start to think different about church because of a knowledge of what God knows about you. Hallelujah. The importance, I can't stretch enough tonight, the importance of focusing and never rejecting the work of God, which is Jesus, which is giving righteousness as a gift. Amen. Let's read the scripture in Romans 4. Man, this introduction is now really becoming long. Romans chapter 4. It says, Now to him that works is the, is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that works not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Let me read it again. That is one of the most powerful scriptures. But to him that works not. In other words, to him that doesn't seek righteousness by, what, by, the, by works. Okay? But believes on him that does what? That justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. So what must we believe in order to have faith righteousness? You see, the problem is many people don't experience faith righteousness for they don't believe the right thing. We must believe the right thing in order to experience righteousness by faith. Righteousness by faith is attained through this faith. I believe God justifies the ungodly. Man, that's a shocker. And that's not new. There was a woman caught in the act of adultery. Was she guilty or not? She was guilty. And what did Jesus do? He justified the ungodly. He justified, he blessed the ungodly with what? With life. To somebody who went and committed adultery, he blessed with what everybody desires and seeks after is life. With her disobedient to the law. He blessed her with life. You see, the thing is, um, if we stand under the law, use the law properly that, so that we can come to a point where we can see our inability. Use the law. Condemn yourself until you come to a place where you say, Lord, I realize the only way I can be saved is if you are merciful to a sinner. If you don't justify the ungodly, I will never be saved because I realize I'm ungodly. And I need a God that can be merciful to the ungodly. Save me, Lord, and impute your righteousness to me. Lord, I've tried 20 steps to faith to be healed. And I struggle. I don't get the breakthrough. But God, I thank you. Even if I've done things right, I, I, I walked around the house four times and confessed. My wife confessed over me. The, the dog confessed. The parrot confessed over me. I've tried everything. Nothing works. 
but God. Please. I just come to you. And I rest my mind that you can be good to me. If I've confessed right or wrong, I don't care. But I rest today. This miracle is based on who you are. Amen. Amen. That's faith in God. (laughs) Not faith in you. Faith in God. Hallelujah. This message must, and this is what I believe with all my heart, this message must cover the whole earth. This message of God's love. And Jesus will come. There's another thing that I want to tell you as Christians tonight. While we're singing here, and, and that's why I put that, that song, uh, song on, I can only imagine. And some people might say, I don't have to imagine Jesus in me. Yes, Jesus in you. The Holy Spirit indwells you, yes. But there's a day when the Lord Jesus is coming back to this planet. Where you will receive an immortal body. We'll have perfection in the flesh. Amen. And I want to tell you this. And this is going to be a shocker of a revelation, but it's going to set you free. Don't try to seek perfection in your works and those things you do. Because that's a gift of God as well at the return of the Lord. Make your focus a relationship with God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we prayed. You know, I'm I'm an evangelist, people. I, I like to pray for the sick. And the thing that was haunting me all the time was, I will pray for 200 people that's sick, 160 will get healed. So I'll go home with a 40 that didn't get healed in my mind. Lord, I need to push through. Lord, I need more. And I had to come to realize, like Paul said, we live in an earthen vessel. This is a body, man. This is dust that only lives because the breath of God is in it. So, my eye can never... The only way I will have perfection in my flesh is if Jesus comes back. Go and study Romans chapter... Now, I, I, maybe I shouldn't even have touched on this. That is, that is like five messages to explain that to you. But that, is, that set me so free. Because the area where I'm weak... Do you know what the Bible says? The Holy Spirit prays for me with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now, that is not... The church going, ooh, ah, oh, because that is a groaning that can be uttered. <laughs> I tell you, that is your groaning. The Bible says we groan and creation groan and everybody groans. But the intercession groaning of the Holy Spirit is God's Spirit. Knowing what's in you and what you need. So, you know what's so nice about that? Whenever I'm weak, I know right now the Spirit of God's making intercession for me. That brings the whole thing of God's not against me. God's for me. And He knows my weakness. The Bible says God is mindful of you that you are only dust. Huh? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is that a license to sin? Please, can't we think on something else? You know, can't we think of Jesus? Can't we think of what He's done for us? Can't we be mindful of God? Get sin out of our minds. The Bible says the true worshippers, one spurge, shall have no more consciousness of sin. And that's the reason why the church speaks so much about sin. is because they've never understood the fact that they have once been purged forevermore through one sacrifice forever. You've been perfected in your spirit. 
forevermore. Not to have a consciousness of sin anymore. And it's wrong to walk with a consciousness of sin. Really. I'm not saying that let's go and sin and not worry about it. I've never said that. Say to yourself, the man has not said that. (laughs) Because I have not. I've never said that. I've never said, go and sin and don't worry about it. I've never said that. But what I said is, when it comes to a relationship with God, when it comes to church, when it comes to all those things, don't have this mentality of, I'm, you know, we are sinners trying to reach something. Don't be sin conscious. Be son conscious. Be father conscious. Be relationship conscious. Hallelujah. My son, I've got three boys, and they do sin. They do, you know. But you know what? What's the last thing that I want in their hearts is to walk around all day long with a conscience of what they do wrong. Do you want your children to walk like that? All day feel guilty about what they've done wrong. You know, if they walk like that all day, I will feel I'm a bad father. I'll feel I'm a bad father. Why are you so down, son? You know, Dad, you know, you've told me to give the dogs water. And, you know, I, I only get it right for four days in the week. And now, you know, but son, you've been depressed now for a month about this. Get it out of your mind. Let's go to Rectanga Junction and ride the roller coasters. You know, come with me, let's go for a ride on the bike. Isn't it? He can come and say, Dad, you know, I find this thing. I struggle to, to, to feed the dog. Whatever. Let me help you. You know, or let me call your brother to help you. <laughs> or something, you know. But I don't want him to walk with a consciousness of what he does wrong all day. Because he will be the most depressed of all. But now we think that when I do something wrong, I must always walk with this consciousness. Be conscious of the sacrifice that God is conscious of. Do you think that God is conscious of Jesus? God the Father? Oh yeah. All the time. And we can have this mentality that we are really clean. And I've, I've said it before, some of you have listened to my CDs. If, if I ask my wife to wash the dishes, and I come into the house and she, and I bring some friends over and we, some of them into the kitchen, and there's the dishes, like a whip on it, you know? <laughs> my wife and I, you know, we're not the very organized type. We pay people to be organized. <laughs> because, you know, it's a difficult, you know. I don't know why it is like that. You can give me a difficult task. Say, listen, go and plant a church over there. I'll do it. It will not even be difficult for me. But to tell me to take those slips after you bought something and to file it. Yes, that's a mountain of a job, buddy. <laughs> so, so now... <laughs> This guy said, I must be godly. So, um, now imagine my wife. Here we come. I say to her, my wife, but you haven't cleaned the dishes, man. And she says, no, it's clean. Eh? <laughs> just, just, take the, just take the sunlight liquid, then you look through it, you know, and you see it's clean. Eh? <laughs> That's not clean. 
You must apply the soap. So, what I want to tell, tell you today, once you believed in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ paid for all your sins, and when you believed, you say, Lord, I make use of that. From that day, you are clean. You're not looking through the blood of Jesus, seeing yourself as clean. You are clean. Start to believe it. And let me tell you another thing. The sinner out there has got a great value to God. When Adam sinned, he never lost his value. Listen, if they steal my car, it's not all of a sudden worth five rand. It's got the same worth. It's just lost. It's true. It's just lost. With us, when man sinned, he never lost his value to God. He was just lost. And what I've seen is that through behavior modification, obey rules and commands, the person out there, um, and I, I don't want to blame the church for everything, but, but it's got some part in that, is that the, the people out there start to lose their value. Because I'm only as valuable as what I can do good. It's not true. Our value was determined by God. All of us, we are made by God. And God doesn't make rubbish. That's it. The sinner out there is made by God. Where do you think does he find his life? From Satan. He's not born of Satan. His origin is in God. But he's lost because of his unbelief. He doesn't believe that his sin has been paid for. He doesn't know his value. And it's our, the first thing for us, it's, it's our responsibility to know and understand the love of God for us and our value. And from there, see the value of those people and to go and make them feel valuable through not condemning them and bringing the message of God's unconditional love. Hallelujah. Amen. Yo, maybe I should end here. I haven't started. It's really point one. <laughs> Let's just, we're going to talk a bit about the law and, and, and I want to minister on faith. So I think this is a good foundation. Tomorrow morning we will wrap it up around faith. But I'm going to talk a little bit about the law because if we can define the law and know exactly what the law is, then we can see, we will see that we have made faith a law. And faith became a burden. Because now do I have enough faith? Is my faith great enough? Have I believed long enough? Is this now the right type of faith? <laughs> Never sure. <laughs> and that is because we have proje- projected our faith towards things. You don't believe for things. Now, that is something that, that, that I must explain. You don't believe for things. I don't believe for a car. I don't believe for a motorbike. I don't believe for a beautiful wife. I don't believe for... for <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I hit... I just hit the, the default setting right there. <laughs> oh, brother. Please listen to the message. You will I got a beautiful wife. So... We don't believe for these things. 
the, the word faith and the word for doesn't go together. The word faith and the word in goes together. You don't believe four things, you believe in someone. And that gives you peace of mind. I don't believe for a house, but I got blessed with a house. A guy gave me a 1.5 million rand house. I don't believe for, for things. I just find, I rest my mind in who God is. Now, if we make faith a law, you know, and the way we've made faith a law is by saying faith is never saying something wrong. I'm honest, I don't get it right. I don't get it right. If what I get must be based on me saying everything right every day, I'll never make it. Because I must be honest with you, there's times when I don't say things right. (laughs) What do you say when they pull out the gun and shove it in your face at the robot? You don't say, I don't want to buy a gun. You might say something wrong. And uh, you see, the thing is, let's base our faith on who God is and on what Jesus Christ. (laughs) You're going to have a laughing meeting, but because of jokes. (laughs) I believe that through. I believe that when it comes to faith, we shouldn't make a work of faith. Say, well, I'm going to work so hard at my faith just to believe right, and a knape net word too, and I'm trying my best. That will make you tired. Faith, true faith, is a rest in the personality of God. That's what it is. The law is anything man must do to get God to do something for you. Faith is not something you do to get God to do something for you. Now, we've always been taught, faith is what you do to get God to do something for you. It's not true. Faith is something that happens to you when you realize what God has done for you. I've always thought, you know, if I just believe right, I'm going to get that yellow Lamborghini. Hallelujah. You know? And if I just believe right, I'm going to get that big sound system to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if I just believe right, you know, and if I just confess right and don't say something wrong, then God will empower me to preach to the lost, as if He doesn't want them saved. God wants the lost saved more than anybody here. He wants you to know that your sins have been paid for more than what you wanted to not. I tell you. He wants you to know how much... He wants you to know His love for you more than what you desire it tonight. That His being revolves around that. And because of a wrong understanding of who God is, we've made a law out of faith. What does the law do? What are the attributes of the law? I want to just touch on that quickly. Let's go to um, Romans. Romans chapter 7. I hope I find the right verse now. Verse 6. Let's read from verse 5. It says, For when we were in the flesh... Now, when the Bible speaks about flesh, go and study it out for yourself. 
It, it's the Greek word muscle. That's what it is. It is flesh as if stripped from the skin. So, it is, it's the muscle. It, and what it also speaks of is human ability. Human ability to be like God. Most of the time in the Bible, not all the times, but most of the time when it speaks about flesh, the, the, the fruit of the flesh, is the fruit of being in a place where you through your own power want to attain to righteousness. Okay, that's flesh. Now it says here, For when we were in the flesh, in other words, seeking justification by the law, the motions of sin, or the passions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Now man, how powerful can you get it? I mean, everybody can understand, and I read it from the King James. When we were under the law, when we were in the flesh, the law, the passions of sin, which were by the law, worked in us unto death. So, is the law evil? No, the law is good. But the problem is, man under the law, is, it's not good for man. It's like asking you, is doom good? You know doom. It's good, isn't it? But it's not good to use for breath freshener. It's good if it's applied onto the insect, but not applied onto you. It's the same thing with the law. The Bible says the law is not for the righteous man. It's not for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not. It's for the guy outside that still thinks that he can make it by his own power. To show to him that he cannot make it. That's what it's for. So the law is not for the righteous according to Timothy. First Timothy. Right, verse 6. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So what he's saying, he said, Jesus Christ came to deliver us from the law, so that we can be delivered from the passions of sin, so that we will not sin so much. And that we can be free from the death that we were held in. So that we will not, and then a wonderful thing, so that we will not serve by the law anymore, but we will serve by the Spirit of God that indwells us. Right. Now verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, I have not known sin but by the law. For I have not known lust, except the, word, the, the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin... Taking occasion, by what? By the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. Now, go and study out the word concupiscence, a very big word, we don't use it these days. It's all manner of sexual lust. Paul wrote it about his own life. He said, but sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me. So it was not the law that wrought it in Paul. It was sin that makes use of the law that wrought in him all manner of sexual immorality. In the life of Paul the Apostle. Man, if it happened to Paul, it can happen to you. And we get to verse 9. This is, this is powerful. Listen to verse, verse, verse 8. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment. It's not the commandment that brings sin. It is sin inside us, in our human flesh, 
that gets activated once it's under a law. It's like a dog that's asleep at home. If you know the, dog's gonna, the dog bites and you must deliver the newspaper, don't ring the bell. You know, he's going to bite you because you're going to wake the dog up. So what happens is because you've got human flesh and this human flesh has not been, you are saved, but this human body of yours is waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to be made new. Hallelujah. Now, inside this human body is an ability to sin, which is activated once it's placed under a law. That's what it says there. For I had not known sin, except the Lord said, you shall not sin. And when the commandment came, what happened? It wor- then sin worked all manner of concupiscence in me once that commandment came. Then verse 9. I was alive without the law once. That was a time when he believed in Jesus after he got saved. He says, but when the commandment came, sin revived. And I died. Verse 9. So, we're not against the law. The law is a good moral standard. The law stands for holiness. The law stands for righteousness. It was a standard that was given by God, written down on stones, given to Moses. Okay? It's holy. It's like the law that Jesus made that said, you're not even supposed to think wrong. There's nothing wrong with that law. But there's something very wrong if you want to attain righteousness before God by your thoughts. You'll never make it. Never going to make it. Okay? So, what, the, the purpose of the law was there for two things. Number one, that somebody could come and do it to bring righteousness for man. And the other reason was for us to see that we cannot be justified by our works, to show our inability. That's why it was given. So, through the law is the knowledge of sin. So, we're not against the law. The message of grace is not against the law. We fulfill the law. Because the law says you must be righteous. Now we receive righteousness as a gift by Jesus Christ. And now we can say, when you believe in Jesus and you receive righteousness as a gift, you have fulfilled the law. I'm not against the law. Jesus is not against the law. He wants the righteous requirement of the law to be in you. That's why Romans 8 verses 1 to 4 says that through our flesh we could not attain it, but Jesus Christ through what He has done came so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. How? Through faith in Christ. Amen. Then we made righteous. Then we made holy. Amen. So we're not against the law. We are for the law and what the law stands for. Let me put it this way. We are for what the law stands for. And the law stands for righteousness. The Bible says in Romans 3.21 that when we believe, we fulfill the law. Amen. What effects does it have on us? One scripture more there. 1 Corinthians 15. And then we're going to pray for people. Are you blessed with this? Man, I'm blessed. Imagine the power that will manifest from lives that, that flows out of this revelation. The power. The power of love. The power that we will see in signs, wonders and miracles. Because it will become genuine. All of a sudden, miracles will not be there anymore to prove my identity. 
all of a sudden miracles will not be there to draw people to my church. It will be there to get the sick healed. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. All of a sudden there will come a genuineness and a purity to the church because we will not abuse the work of God to add to the identity of man. I don't say, you know, when I have a crusade, I will put a crutch there, you know, with somebody standing with a crutch in the air or whatever, come to the crusade, you know. I know it's going to draw people. But there's a place where, you know, when I pray for the sick man and he throws away his crutch and I feel I'm the blessed of God, there's something very wrong with that. There's something very wrong with that. I'm not blessed because he throws away his crutch. Because if he breaks his other foot tomorrow, then I'm not blessed anymore. I'm blessed because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. The devil came to Jesus when he tempted him after he was baptized. And he said, now this is a great temptation. He said to him, take this stone and make it a bread. And I know there's some typology that we can get out of that. But the main thing that he was saying is, find your sonship in what you do. That's all. Do a miracle, then you know you're the Son of God. I will not pray for anybody to prove anything. Somebody says, Bertie, if you're a Christian, heal this person. My brother, go home. Go home. I'm not proving my Christianity, my sonship, anything in what I do. Because I live out of one thing, and that's the word that comes from the mouth of God. God said, I'm your, you are my son. God said to me, and to every one of us in Jesus Christ, He's well pleased with us. We're the righteousness of God. Nothing can be added to us. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus Christ bodily, and that fullness has been given to us. According to Colossians. So, that's it. That's what I believe. And I'm not going to do a miracle to prove anything to anybody. Hallelujah. But we will do miracles. <laughs> Amen. We will pray for the sick. We will see the power of God. But we're going to imagine understanding this and we find our identity in Christ. All of a sudden we, 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 we will find a rest when it comes to the supernatural and not an anxiety. Oh God, we must have this. No, no. We are spiritual. We can just manifest it whenever we want. Because that's who we are. Hallelujah. Amen. That's who we are. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That's what it says. That means you can prophesy whenever you want. You can laugh in the spirit whenever you want. You can do things whenever you want. You don't have to wait for something supernatural to happen somewhere. If you want to laugh, laugh, man. You know it's in you. The spirit of God's in you. Hallelujah. That's it. That's what God comes to give us. If you want to go and heal the sick, then go. The Spirit of God dwells in you. Or is that not too simple? <laughs> Sometimes we want to make it too difficult. No, no, that's what God has given to us. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, when the law falls away, and all these pretensions will fall away, all the false things will fall away, we'll come to a place where we can be honest in our hearts before God. We'll come to a place where we know who we are in Christ. When we heal somebody, it's like I said the, the afternoon. I said, uh, 
sikker 2-3, ek weet nie wat in Engels noem nie, vanmiddag. We eat, when I pray for somebody gets out of a wheelchair, I forget about it. It's not willfully. I would like to remember it because it's nice. You know? And to testify about that miracle. But I forget about it. Because to me, it means nothing but that that man was healed. And it's a confirmation of the word of God. Not my word. Listen, I want to say this to you. If somebody preaches, the, preaches a message and heals the sick afterwards, God's not confirming that preacher's word by that miracle. He's confirming His word. The word of God. Which is, by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. That's the word that gets confirmed. Not all the other stuff He spoke. Just God's word. 